Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. We're now going to be having our Bible reading, and Jan Addis is going to come forward and read the Bible reading to us. Uh, it's from Mark chapter 8 and verse 27 to Mark chapter 9 and verse 10. Starting in Mark chapter 8, Peter's confession of Christ. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Jesus predicts his death. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, um, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. The Transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and the voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Well, it's good to be back again. Uh, as we come and uh, uh, explore God's word together and seek his calling for us as, as a people and as individuals. It's good to be coming together uh, on this day, which is, uh, with the old uh, uh, liturgy now, it's the day of transfiguration as we come to that end of Epiphany and that revelation of Christ and who he is. Transfiguration always used to be on August the 6th, so you had a really good chance to preach an anti-nuclear war text as you had the sun being transformed with the bomb and the world being transformed as Jesus comes as the light of the world. 
can't do that anymore. It comes at the end of Lent, uh, beginning of Lent, instead of where it used to. So we're going to be looking at the Transfiguration, which is why we had uh, the reading this morning. Now, a long time, a long time ago, where we got to? There. I was pressing the wrong knob. I told you I needed all the help I can get. A long time ago, I was a fairly good mathematician. Uh, that was until I moved from A-levels to go to college. When I was doing A-levels, I was fine. Trigonometry, algebra, they were wonderful things. And then I got to college, and they did maths for scientists. And maths for scientists was statistics. I could not understand statistics. No matter how much I listened to the lecturers, no matter how many worked examples I did, no matter how many, much my friends tried to explain, statistics just left me confused and my tutors frustrated. I wonder if that's how the disciples and Jesus felt. The disciples were certainly confused and Jesus showed signs of frustration. Every now and then they, tried to, they seemed to get it. We heard that reading, Peter blurting out, you're the Messiah! But his insights never lasted long with Peter. And soon he's saying to Jesus, you can't do what you're going to do. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. You do not think the way of, ma- of, the, of God, but you think of the way of the world. And then they had the trip up the mountain. That wonderful time. Hmm. Doesn't matter which button I press. Next slide, please. Pardon? It was. Let's try again. It is now working. <laughs> we'll try again. I'll end up as uh, being a, a lecturer from the, uh, the government with next slide every time. Then they went up the mountain. And that left them totally and completely without a clue. All they could do as they came down was wonder. And they kept silent about what had happened. As Jesus had asked them to. But perhaps that's because they had no idea. After all, as they come down, they say, they had no clue about what rising from the dead meant. We know what that means. But that apart, we often seem to be no wiser than the disciples. We get to wonderful places. We get up the mountain. We get to wonderful times of worship. And we want to stay there and wait and never go back. Perhaps, like the disciples, we need to hear the words that Jesus said, that the word word of God said out of the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen, if you want to understand someone, this is where we must start. It sounds easy, but somehow it never is as easy as it sounds. Sometimes circumstances get in the way. Noise around us means I can't hear the words. Distractions mean it's hard to follow. And sometimes as we speak, the message gets garbled. The speaker is not sure what needs to be said. The hearer doesn't understand the words because they have technical meanings or we've never come across them before. And sometimes we just do not want to listen. 
We're too busy to stop long enough to be still and hear what others are saying. We've got too many things going on in our minds and we want to get on with them. We already know what they're going to say. But we just can't be bothered. Certainly it seems that the disciples had failed to listen. Part of it was because they half heard what had been said and jumped to conclusions about what that meant. That was Peter's problem. He'd suddenly seen the truth. Jesus is the Messiah, the longed-for and long-promised leader. And he jumped to the usual conclusion. Here was the one who would set Israel free. Mega man. Make Israel great again, man. The one who would come and do it all. Certainly he couldn't go to Jerusalem. God forbid that. He would die there. Part of it would have been because they did not hear correctly what had been said. They just did not like what they heard. After all, Jesus had said, love your enemies. The Romans? Honestly? Forgive without counting how often? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. Learn to serve as the mark of how to lead. Let's be honest. We're not too sure we like all of that that much. We hear the gospel time and again. But I'm not, often, I'm not sure how often we listen. After all, it seems so impractical. Loving enemies, forgiving, serving... It leaves us feeling and looking and being vulnerable. It goes against everything the world teaches. Surely, Jesus could not have meant it. Or maybe we just misheard. At least, that's what we hope. But the call comes. Listen to him. Listen. Listen and look. We've all heard of the elephant in the room. But what, do you, what uh, do you know about the invisible gorilla? Could you watch this video? This is a test of selective attention. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball. How many passes did you count? The correct answer is 15 passes. But did you see the gorilla? Stop it there. Honestly, how many saw the gorilla? Yep, that's not that. That is about right. When it's usually done, about half the people see the gorilla and half the people don't. The elephant in the room walks right across it. And the next slide, hopefully, shows you there's the gorilla. Right through the middle of it all. 
We look and we look, but we do not see so much we do not see. Sometimes we need someone out from outside to actually show us what is there. This first struck me when I was in, Winchester, uh, when I was in the Diocese of Hampshire, when I was in my previous church to, to Govilan, down in um, uh, Broughton and Lockley and Stockbridge. While we were there, the Winchester Diocese uh, was twinned with the Diocese in Uganda. And some of the clergy came over from Uganda. And they were shown all of the highlights. And there are many highlights to see in Hampshire. And it was a tight schedule. And everything went smoothly. The group going from place to place, seeing all there was to see, until one of the visitors tore off his watch. Fed up. Because he was being ruled by time. Just as the conversations got interesting, just as the questions were beginning to be asked and answered, just as the important point was coming, they moved on because time was up and they had to go to the next place. The hosts had failed to see what was obvious. They'd failed to see that they'd succumbed to the primacy of passing time over pastoral care until the guy tore off his watch and reminded them other things are important. Despite all their looking, the disciples had failed to see. They saw he was the Messiah, but they had not looked at what the title meant. Seeing the Messiah, they were still looking for glory, and when they went up to the mountain, yes, they found it. No wonder Peter wanted to stay there. We just sang, heavens come down to earth, and there it was, on the mountain. Who would want to go back to earth after that? Here was all he hoped for. Jesus revealed in glory. Law and prophets, Moses and Elijah, giving thanks and talking to him, far removed from chaos and confusion. But they failed to see what Jesus had been doing. Failed to see him as he challenged the received wisdom they knew so well, as he embraced the poor and the outcast, as he overturned the accepted norms, offering forgiveness and loving enemies, as he gave a fresh look at the law and said, you have heard it said, but I say to you, we need to look afresh at our world and our received wisdom, especially how we are enthralled to individualism and to markets, remembering that we are not kings, but that God is. Listen, look, learn. Confucius, he say, well, okay, we may ignore many of the attributions to this Chinese sage, much of it is banal or meaningless, and some of it comes from others, let's be honest. But whatever the source, these words seem sound. I hear and I forget. I see and I remember. I do and I understand. 
Words that question both lectures and sermons, even if they have PowerPoint illustrations. And so cast a shadow on most of my life, having sat through many lectures and given many sermons. But if we are truly to re- uh, learn what Jesus requires of us, then we have to do what he calls us to. One of our problems today is we've too often isolated our faith. Too often we've turned it into an intellectual exercise. Do we believe the correct doctrines about Jesus? Have we uh, sorted out our understanding of the Trinity? What idea do we have of the coming apocalypse? Can we recite the creed? Or whatever our church's statement of faith is, without at times crossing our fingers when we get to certain lines that we're not entirely certain about. Now, I love the intellectual side of things. I enjoy being a theologian, even if I'm a poor one, finding ways of speaking rationally of God. And making arguments is important. There is a place for the discipline of apologetics. And as one who has grown up as a scientist and became a Baptist minister, that apologetics is so important as we talk to the world around us. But making the right arguments is not faith. Faith is about putting trust in God, the God who is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Too often we've turned our faith into a private exercise. The world loves private faith, stuck at home or confined to the churches. Do we read our Bibles or are we prayer warriors? That is good, but... Have we found and do we use our spiritual gifts? That is important, but can we sing the latest worship songs or the old hymns and do we do it with gusto? That is necessary, but experience, yes, is important. And it's good to share our experience as friends meeting together and praying together, as a fellowship sharing in study and worship. We share such experiences to encourage one another, and that is important. But experience alone is not faith. Faith is taking up a cross and following. Faith is living a life that lets Jesus be seen by others. Faith is coming down from the mountain, even if we don't understand everything and sharing the good news that we do understand. I never understood statistics until I had to do statistics. I was a research biochemist for 10 years. Overall, the results I got were very mixed. After all, there is not much material in a cockroach brain, and trying to do experiments on it give you very strange results. Only with statistics... Could I see what was there? Only with statistics could I begin to understand which drugs were working and why they were working. You only truly learn when you begin to do what you need to do. Neither of the two Baptist unions of Great Britain or of Wales, which covers Mike and myself as ministers and the two churches we 
have been and are ministers of. Neither of our two Baptist unions have as such a creedal statement. We have a three-part declaration of principle. Yes, it talks of Jesus and Trinity and Scripture. It talks of baptism, churches and freedom. But the last part talks of doing. It is the duty of every disciple to bear personal witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to take part in the evangelization of the world. Yes, we need to listen to the word of God. That is why we read our Bibles. That is why we come to church and have someone stand up in front and try to give some interpretation of that. Yes, we need to look at the example of the saints. The saints in that wide general term that we use it within uh, Baptist ecclesiology. Each one of us leading lives of faith. But we need to learn what Jesus calls us to by putting feet on our faith. By living the call of the gospel day by day. By obeying that twofold commandment to love God and to love neighbours as ourselves. We go and we seek to live out what God has called us to. We go knowing Jesus as Messiah, the one who has come, yes, to transform us, because yes, we are forgiven and yes, we have new life. But that new life must show in what we do. That new life must show as we seek to tell out good news, to do God's will, to live his life, and to do it in the world around us so that people may see and know and come to hear the word of Christ, the Lord of life. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.